So you're getting older and things are starting to change with your body, your skin. Oh, let's face it, everything. Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Anti-Aging Uncensored, the show for driven women who want real solutions to defy their age. I'm your host, Jill Gilbert, digital health leader and entrepreneur. I'm a self-proclaimed product junkie as well as an overly obsessed fan of anti-aging breakthroughs and cutting-edge health solutions. And I'm going to help you tackle the challenging and oh-so-extraordinary next years of your lives. Now let's dive into the latest episode of Anti-Aging Uncensored. Ooh, the orgasm. Research by Carol Rinkleib Ellison shows that 39% of women who masturbate do so to relax. Are you surprised? Orgasms trigger our bodies to release the hormone oxytocin. Don't get that confused with oxycodone, ladies. This hormone relieves tension and leaves us with a sense of warmth and comfort. Well, now that I say that, oxytocin does something similar, but let's stick with orgasms on this episode. We at Anti-Aging Uncensored believed it is vitally important to explore everything about the whole woman, including our sexuality and sexual wellness. Does sexual wellness contribute to overall wellness? Better sleep, more relaxation, increased blood flow? We're here to help you up your game across the board, and I couldn't think of someone more appropriate who is on the cutting edge of developing tools for women at any age to enhance their relationships with themselves or with their partners. We are asking her the tough questions. This is an area that hasn't had enough explanation, and we think, well, we know it's about time. You will hear the answers behind the hard-to-find research, the connection between health, pleasure, and your sexual wellness, plus get a behind-the-scenes walkthrough of the remarkable new technology called the Lioness. Welcome our guest expert, Liz Klinger, to Anti-Aging Uncensored. So Liz, I am so excited to have you here on our program. I've been really anxious to uh, talk about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jill. I know it's been, it's been months in the making, so I'm excited to talk about orgasms once again. Yes, 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 yes. I, uh, I, kind, of, I kind of am too. I'm actually really, I have lots, <laughs> of, lots of questions around this. Um, so, you know, obviously you and I have met through CES. And um, so I have a story about that, but I first want to hear a little bit of background about you and your, your like, foray into, you know, sexual wellness for women. Yeah. So, uh, so basically I'm, so I'm Liz Klinger. I'm a co-founder and CEO of Lioness. And uh, yeah, as, um, as you mentioned, I'm in the sexual wellness space and how I, gosh, it's always, yeah, it's like, you don't have um, a degree or a specific path to be, to go down sexual wellness or to one day make vibrators, much less smart vibrators. But uh, how the sort of the nutshell of how I got into all this is I basically, um, I, at one point I was selling uh, different intimacy products to women through, uh, it was passion parties at the time. And with that, like, I, you know, I got into that because I had been always curious about uh, sexuality and pleasure. And I had all these questions and I always just thought that I was kind of a, you know, this weird person with all these questions. And uh, when I started taking these sort of like passion parties into people's homes and, you know, so colleges and, you know, bachelorette parties and retirement parties, neighborhood parties. Retirement. I love that. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, any, you could make a sex toy party out of any sort of party. And this is basically, I'd come in with different products and uh, show people the different types of products that are out there. Uh, people would ask questions, uh, they'd mm-hmm. buy things. So that's, that's kind of the, the feel of it, just for the context of what, you know, these sex toy parties are. And what I found with, like, when I was starting to do these parties was almost every single party I do, there'd be a couple of people who would, usually it's like, you know, they take me to the side in the, you know, corner room somewhere, and they'd start asking me all these different questions that they had never asked anyone else before. Uh, you know, just everything from, you know, your like, what is a G spot? How do I have an orgasm? Uh, how do I have a, you know, how do I talk about this with my partner? Or uh, even at the time I was like, I was like in my early twenties. Uh, it was like, I get questions about <laughs> from people about, you know, menopause and how sex and pleasure changes during menopause. Really? And yeah. And I know that it's uh, like, it's a very important topic and it's one that a lot of, a lot of women experience. But at the time I was like, you know, my early twenties, I didn't have a background in this. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't feel qualified to answer this, but I can point to different resources and, you know, I can, you know, at the time it's like, well, I know X, Y, and Z or these books or these doctors that you can, you know, you can start uh, doing some research on. And basically it was like, I, found that all, you know, all these people had all these questions. I was often the first person that they'd ask these questions because I had, I created the space to ask these questions and to have these conversations. And a lot of these questions had a lot of impact on, you know, people's day-to-day lives, like, you know, in terms of their people's happiness or their self-confidence or their, uh, Mm -hmm. their relationship with their partner. Like if you're, you know, if you have some trouble on your, or, you know, you have a question that's gnawing at you and you don't know where to ask. It just, it just simmers. And, you know, it's just something that, you know, just kind of eats away at you at times. So it was great to be able to like be this resource and like be this person there that answer some of these questions or to point to different places. So that was, that was just like something that was really fulfilling for me. I wanted to do more. And that's how, you know, step-by-step step, it ended up becoming lioness with the, the personal the sort of, yeah, it's a vibrator, but it's also this, it's this way to personally consult and explore uh, people's pleasure on their own terms and at their own time. That's great. Yeah. I think having that safe space where, and they feel like they can ask you, it's kind of like, you know, asking the doctor or asking the professional, like they feel like they have that comfort is, is really important. So hopefully we'll be able to sort of create that a little bit here um, and talk about some of the questions um, that some of, you know, our listeners have and, and I have had as well. So uh, now your, your whole, uh, you know, lioness, um, which we're going to talk about in uh, a, a little bit, but um, was a technology, a very, you know, a smart technology. So in other words, it speaks and it does other things via data. So when you, um, when you are interested in sort of getting your product out there, Liz, and really sign up speaking to the consumer, you know, direct to the consumer, you, I know, um, have, or I should say I had heard 
that you wanted to participate in the Consumer Electronics Show, which is the largest consumer electronics show in the world, where everyone launches their sort of consumer brands. And when you, um, what happened the first year when you applied? Well, uh, Jill Weber turned down. <laughs> um, what was the reasoning? It, what was the reasoning? It was, it was weird. So it's, Okay. So it was one of those things where it's sort of a backdoor conversation that they don't want in writing. And right, um, right, right. Like this is not a, this is not appropriate for this show. Go down the street. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> Got it. That was, that was basically the, that was basically the response. So, um, the, so the year before this past CES show where this, so for context that this, um, the 2020 CES show was actually the first time that, mm -hmm. Uh, companies were allowed to exhibit that were doing something related to sex tech in, in some sort of way. Uh, so, okay. Which Sorry, is, just, which is to... really, which is really why I brought this up because mm -hmm. the reason I brought it up was not to knock CES, right? They just hadn't right. had those things before. So it was really more to talk about the growth that has occurred in awareness um, around these devices not being considered pornography or something. I don't, I don't know what, yeah. what, the, what, the, what the words are, but um, not being that and, and the evolution. So I think you're, you're great to speak about it. So let us know yeah. about your experience. Yeah. So, so this was, okay. So this is for the 2018 CES. Uh, since I'm mm -hmm. like trying to remember, it's been enough years and I'm like, wait a second, what, where, Brain, work for me, please. Right. Uh, so, so basically, we had applied. Uh, we we sort of applied several times and tried to like figure out like what is what's the reasoning? Why is this? Why is it so difficult? And uh, they basically said that yeah, we don't know if it's appropriate. Uh, we're not accepting any new uh, sex related categories into the show. So, um, I learned also that several other companies in that create products related to sexual wellness had also applied in the past and weren't able to get in either. So it's been this sort of like quiet thing that's been brewing for over the past decade, practically, mm -hmm. of just new companies yes. who haven't been able to come in. Uh, this wasn't, I mean, I, I was persistent about it though, because I, it was just frustrating to see that we've, like my team has built this amazing technology that can really change people's experiences of pleasure, but also there's this potential that we're starting to see now of how uh, understanding your pleasure can impact your your health or you know your you know your relationships or even like your health more broadly, which I can get into a little bit more uh, in a bit. Yeah. But it was just you know it was just like we're not you know. The, the, the message was basically go to AVN or, you know, go, go to the porn shows, which like, you know, we, we can go to the porn shows, but also because of the, because of our brand and because of the product and our particular product being more data research oriented, we, you know, we we're just like this, it makes sense to also be in a, in a space for consumers and in a right. space with healthcare professionals and, you know, being able to talk about sex, not just in the context of pornography, sex right. is so much more than just, than just porn. So I was, I was determined and I, through some of my, um, my Berkeley and uh, Stanford connections, I actually got a space last minute 
in the show and we kind of went stealth in the show on like on the official show floor uh, for 2018. Wow. <laughs> and just like, yeah, because I wanted to meet people. I wanted to, you know, make connections. Yeah. You can't do that if you're, if you can't be on the show floor. Um, so it was, it was definitely worthwhile to do. Like, I was a little bit like, oh my God, like, are they, you know, am I going to get kicked out? Uh, I did have a couple gold star members come by and be like, why aren't you at the show across the street? And I'm like, I've met some great people here. I've met you. You're yeah. a person too. <laughs> yeah. It's I, 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 but, but the most, the, uh, to me, the most exciting part is last year. Cause it was in the section that I, um, am part of, which is the digital health part. I was always, we were always pushing for this as well. At the same time, we understood that, you know, it wasn't as accepted there. Um, so I was very excited last year when they opened up an area um, really within healthcare, digital health, like, or health and wellness as the floor area is called, and um, really saw the, the, the growth even within one year. It was crazy to see, yeah. um, see you guys and some other companies doing really interesting things and, you know, things for public floor and whatever. So, um, so anyway, we can move on from that, but I'm so excited. Um, I was really excited to have you, have you there. And, um, yeah, that, that's really cool. So tell me a little bit about, you know, when you're researching, um, when you choose to like research, you know, stepping beyond the, the, the parties that you had and now moving into, wow, what can I do to move the, move this movement forward and help women? What were some of the challenges you faced in discovering these things and sort of aligning that with technology? Yeah, I think it was really where to begin. Uh, where to begin when you're start when you when you make anything. It's like you could, like, it's pretty easy to make a better mousetrap for things, but is that actually going to resonate? And right. so when we when we got started with building out Lioness, one of the one of the things I wanted to make sure of was to start as broad as possible, right. like with the question, not just like, how do you make a better vibrator or how do you make a better XYZ? Because it's, you know, it's that, that kind of limits your, your thinking in terms of what you can do. Uh, so we started with the question of how do you, how do you make pleasure or how do you make experiences for, for people better for, for women in particular, but anyone with a vagina, how do you make their experiences uh, better uh, sexually mm -hmm. speaking? So at first it was exploring like we're you know, starting to think about like, okay, a lot of vibrators are actually pretty difficult to operate. Like there's a lot of buttons, there's a lot of controls. You can, you know, it's easy to tinker. And at, at every single party, there was always some moment where someone had trouble turning off a vibrator and then they'd be like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this is such an uncomfortable moment. I don't know. <laughs> and it like, I always felt kind of bad because it's, you know, it's a pretty vulnerable moment to, you know, try to figure out something that you think would be basic, but is actually yeah. not. So there is things like that. There are things like, um, different people have different preferences for simulation. Everyone's bodies are, you know, everyone's kind of different in terms of our own bodies, our own experiences, uh, where you might mentally be, uh, when you're, when you're in the moments, like there's, there's all these different things. And our first thought was, how do we create something maybe that 
can adjust or adapt itself to different people's experiences. So it can be, it can be an easier and smoother um, experience overall and people can, people can enjoy themselves more. Uh, so that's, so that was what we did at first. Yeah. Like I think in terms of your, you know, like your question more directly, like some of the challenges, mm-hmm. um, some people have asked like, Oh, was it difficult to get feedback for people to, to open up about the topic or, you know, it's really like to get like, you know, the it's design like, stuff yeah. to share yeah. something that's going on with them. Yeah. Really personal. Yeah. And it, it's not as, it wasn't as difficult as you think it might be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like something where I'd like post, you know, it's, you wouldn't post on Facebook and be like, Hey, what do you think of, you know, if I made this or I'm just, how would I make this question as awkward as possible? It's like, you know, like I didn't post, I didn't post out questions on Facebook or something like right. that, you know, cause people, I mean, people are generally not going to answer there, but if you do like a one-on-one, you have a project you're working on you kind of lay out the, the questions, what, you know, what are we looking for? What's the purpose? Like people mm-hmm. tend you know, a lot of different people tend to open up about what, um, about just, you know, the questions that you have, like what they're looking for, what questions they've had, uh, different things like that. So, so uh, when we, yeah, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. So when we, or I guess going into, I was going to talk a little bit more about the design process in terms of like, we went from having this like idea of automation and automating, uh, the experience to make it so that you can, it's a smoother, you don't have to think about things as much. But what we found from that was most people tend to like something that's fairly consistent. Like they have like one or two settings that they tend to like, mm-hmm. and they don't really uh, move away from that uh, in terms of like different form, different intensities of stimulation. But what we did find uh, over time, and we're starting to ask all these different questions was, people were interested in information about themselves. They like, we like had give, the sense. Give, give, give me some examples, like what works for them, how, where their body responded. When you talk about information about themselves, what were they saying we want? There. So there was a lot of, I mean, there was just a lot of fascination on data about yourself during sex. So there's some people who are like, Oh, that's, that's really how long it, you know, I masturbated. Like that's, that's not as long as I thought it was like, especially for, especially for people who like sometimes take a longer time or, you know, it can get kind of, it's like, things are not, it's, you know, like 45 minutes or it feels like 45 minutes or an hour. And you're like, Oh my God, like are things working or not? You know, like what's going on? Why is this not working? Why does it work for everyone else? And it's like, no, it's only like 20 minutes. And that's about that's within a pretty average range for most people. Like, so you're, you know, it's like, you're fine. That like, that is normal. It's like almost just like affirm, like reaffirmation that your experience is normal and it's not, you're not weird. You're, you know, there isn't something wrong. Uh, but it's, it's also just a nice contextual thing for people as they're, as they're exploring themselves. Right. Or like a, another one that was like, that kind of sensed it for us that we're like, we're going to go down this, um, sort of 23 and me for sexuality sort of path was, uh, in our early prototyping, we had, a we had a husband and wife who were beta testing and participating in this. And, uh, at the time we were just like sending, uh, PDFs back and forth of, uh, of the charts. So like they, they had this like really old, like 
or 3D printed hand-built prototype that we created and we'd send it over to them and then they'd send it back to us and we'd have to like upload the data and email it to them in the form right. of a PDF. So like very early, you know, this is like beta testing, prototyping type of stuff. Um, we sent the charts to, uh, to the wife, uh, you know, who was the, the, you know, the main tester. And basically, uh, she like, she came back to us and was like, this is really cool. And also I realized that I could share this with my husband and we had this conversation about, uh, about foreplay, mm. uh, because I didn't, it's like, you know, I didn't know this stuff before, like, but what she was, what she started to talk about with, with me was she had this like issue with like, she wanted more foreplay. He didn't quite, you know, it wasn't quite communicating and they didn't, you know, it was like a point of contention for them because they're like, I'm, you know, like this should, so, you know. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, um, when people are married and I think of people, I think most women and most people, I'm probably being a little general here, but think of needing a vibrator when you're not married. So do you, do you find that, that there's this, like a generalization around that? Um, and is there like some contention between men and women in the marriage if that exists? Sometimes, like... I, I have heard with like some people are afraid of incorporating vibrators into a relationship or into like into a sexual practice. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because for like what I've seen, at least in this, so I'll, I'll keep it in, in the context of like a, a heterosexual relationship, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, where a, a boyfriend or a husband might be uncomfortable with including a vibrator in, in foreplay or during sex. Uh, what I've heard from, at least from speaking to some of the, some guys about this who had this belief was, it was sort of this like competition for them that they, that right. they didn't feel like they were good enough. And what I tell, what I usually tell them and, you know, people who have this concern is at least with, well, at, so there's sort of two pieces of it, uh, at least with the lioness because of the, so the lioness vibrator, because mm -hmm. it has this data that it, it mm -hmm. tells you, it can tell you about a person's experience, what, what they like and what they don't like, or, you know, what they could like different things that you can try. So it can, you know, it's almost this like this helper for you that can Discovery. give you a, Yeah, yeah it helps you it discover. Can, yeah, because like going back to that real quick to that example of the husband and wife who they're like, in this case, they're fairly comfortable with sex. They were able to talk, you know, they, they include vibrators and different mm -hmm. sex toys in their relationship. Uh, the thing that they, they saw, they still had different topics that they had trouble talking about. And when they had this, like this chart with data on, she presented it as like, you know, Hey, on a good day with, you know, with a vibrator. So, you know, it's a bit faster. And when I'm in a good mood, like it just takes me five minutes to go, you know, from beginning to climax, like that, that's really all. And then he saw it and he's like, Oh yeah, it's a chart. Like, you know, I get that. It's proof. I got the <laughs> yes. data. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But like, you know, it's kind of, you know, poke fun at like, yeah, you know, nerdy mm -hmm. people looking at charts, haha, you know, but the, I think the thing that we really, that we really all learned from that was that mm -hmm. we were, 
like by a, by like recontextualizing the topic of sex and pleasure and taking, taking it from, you know, what it is to talking about it. Like it's, you know, it's another biological function basically by cha- by being able to talk about sex and pleasure as you know, it's almost like, it's just another aspect of our lives. It's like, you know, it's like exercise, it's like sleeping. It's like, you know, our, our diets, our nutrition and being able to see it as numbers and visuals and graphs and mm-hmm. you know, d- being able to see it in these different forms can help change how people see, see the topic and, and how they discuss it and think about it with other people. I mean, I think, you know, I think you're, you kind of get it in a sense of like it, it kind of, it helps take away some of the, the stigma and the sting of like, you know, Hey, this isn't just like a, you know, I think I kind of get it. There's sort of this, like, you know, a lot of abstraction when you're talking about sex a lot of times of like, I kind of like this or kind of like that. Uh, but you have this sort of like something like, it's a, bodily, case, it's a bodily function. It's like a function of our bodies, just like eating and digesting food that it's like part of the function. It just happens to have this added benefit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's as a happy, a happier ending. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it it mm-hmm. like really changed the context for them that they're able to have this conversation and have it in a different like have it in a way where it was different than the you know hundred times that they had talked about this. Right. And for him, like he he was able to see like okay, it's not. Well, after a while, he thought that she was not saying something that, or like there's something wrong and, you know, she was not there. Maybe there, or even if it's like, I don't know, relationships can get complicated where it's like, you know, it's not, maybe there is something wrong, but they, you know, they don't know, or maybe she's not attracted, attracted enough to him. And then on her side, it was like, is he, is he listening? Like, is he, you know, does he actually get it? Uh, I don't know how else to explain this. And it's, you know, it's really frustrating. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense now that you're saying it, that it's sort of like helping break down the barriers, even within a relationship. I mean, there's all the people that aren't in the relationship, aren't in relationships that are also, you know, have needs. But the, in the relationship one, I always thought it, that was going to be a challenging area, although I shouldn't because sex toys have been around for a long time in relationships. But um, really just trying to understand that a little bit more. Let's, let's talk a little bit about health in regards to pleasure. Um, I've always been sort of, I call it like the science of pleasure. Not that I know what that means, but, um, like what is, is there a direct correlation between this type of pleasure like this type of, um, orgasm or just excitement or pleasure that, that, that correlates directly to benefiting our health. Oh my gosh. That is my favorite subject. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, so one of the things with, um, so one of the things with lioness that we, that we really found that like our team, a lot of our, you know, our team enjoys it. We've we've written different blog posts about this that are on our website, Uh, but also our our customers as well is being able to try different things and see how that affects our experiences of pleasure. Uh, So like one of my, or one of my co-founders, she, uh, she even like is able to see like how coffee can impact her, her experience of pleasure. Just as like, you know, it's like we all, we drink coffee every single day. And, you know, it's just something that you don't really think too much about because you're like, 
oh, you know, I, I need to wake up, <laughs> you know, like I, I need my coffee or at least for, for me or, you know, or you might be tea drinkers. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, it's, you know, it's a whole thing, but basically that even something like that can have an impact on your, your experience of pleasure and your orgasms and how easy or difficult it could be. Uh, mm-hmm. But even looking beyond that too, uh, we're starting to, um, look at for, for lioness, like how does, how do other aspects of, um, of health impact your, your pleasure or impact your orgasms and also vice versa? Uh-huh. What sort of signs can you see from your, your experience of pleasure that might be another sign of something going on with your body or something that, you know, your body's trying to say, but you're not, you know, it's not, sometimes it's not always obvious, at least the first time around. Mm. And, um, one of the interesting, one of the really interesting um, things that we, that we kind of witnessed early on with uh, when we had first launched the product was we had a customer who wrote in and she said that her data looked extremely different from what her, like, her typical baseline uh, data looks like. And she thought that the vibrator was broken. So we did our, you know, we, you have your customer, ser- you know, your vibrator customer service and you have your questions, your, you know, you make sure you, you know, had it plugged in and, you know, all, all that stuff, you know, like, and then, um, we had her send in the product because we, everything checked out and we wanted to see like, what's, you know, is, you know, is there something going on? Because this is a new issue that we found or that we, you know, we haven't encountered this before. So, so just to, just interrupt one quick. So you, you take a baseline before you do anything is what you're saying when you said it's different from her baseline? Where, where was she getting oh, her baseline? So, so for her, her, so baseline in the sense of people tend to have um, sort of a general, like it's, it's a little bit different for everybody, but a sort of general pattern of like what their behaviors are, or how things work. So it could be like, you know, there's different orgasm patterns, there's different, um, sort of general time frames of orgasm that people may have or length okay. of session overall. So stuff like that. So for Her experience this, was different previous to this. Okay. Yeah. So as a, as a quick thing, her orgasms normally are like this. So it's just like, if you, if this, you know, pretend it's a chart, it's like um, just sort of a spike in a graph mm-hmm. and it's like, this is an orgasm. And then the the, you know, after the climax. And then uh, it began just being practically flatlined. Like it was just like, you know, kind of almost going up and then not. So we were like, what's, what's going on here? Uh, since we're, we're hoping that it was like, you know, maybe it's an easy tech fix or, you know, it's warranty replacement or something like that. But uh, we didn't see anything different with, with the vibrator. But when we, you know, we did the, the checks and we were like, you know, okay, we, we don't know what's going on. We're, you know, sending it back to see if maybe, you know, something could, you know, trying to figure out like, you know, maybe something get, or I don't know. We're, we're very confused, but when we tried to send it back to her, we had trouble uh, getting in touch and we found out that she had actually, um, she had recently had a concussion and, uh, she emailed about a month later and was like, I've been staying away from, you know, trying to minimize my time on computers and phones because of the bright lights. And, um, we, we were like, Oh, you know, we had, we had started to look at, uh, different topics related to, um, sex and orgasms and, um, and alcohol and cannabis and different, you know, different sort of mental effects. Mm-hmm. So 
we, we, net, we then asked, when, when did the concussion happen? And it the, turns out the concussion had lined up with when the data started to look different. Oh, so, so what was going on health-wise with herself was affecting ultimately her pleasure and orgasm experience. Yeah. And yeah, so I guess sort of the funny thing in a, in a way was that uh, she, so she had had this concussion and she, she got it from, um, uh, she's a, she's an athlete basically. So she, it was a sports related concussion mm-hmm. and she had wanted to go, she'd wanted to go back and, you know, do her, do her sport again. Cause she's like, you know, it's my thing. It's, you know, I love, you know, I love doing this. I love being on the field. Uh, but when she, when we, all of us kind of figured out that it was that the orgasm data was probably related to her concussion. She was like, Oh man, I should actually, <laughs> I should actually sit out. Maybe I should actually take this more seriously because like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's giving me headaches. It's, you know, I'm having all these issues, but it's also affecting my orgasms. And they're really <laughs> shitty orgasms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in a way, it was kind of good that that, that all happened because she took a little more time to recover uh, versus trying to just go out back into the field immediately, just right. from seeing this orgasm data that looked different. And it also felt different for her, too. Let's flip it to mm-hmm. orgasm and its effect on your health or just pleasure in general, that type of sexual pleasure and, and your health. Are you seeing direct correlation there between like benefits? Like there's actual physical benefits for you? Basically it's like masturbation and and sex and orgasms and, you know, all those good things. Uh, (laughs) They can, they can affect your, yeah, they can affect your, your stress and anxiety. It can be, sometimes it can be a good uh, stress and coping mechanism, especially with like short term uh, bouts of anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. Uh, it can help you get more in touch with your body and have a sense of like what's, what's working for you, having, knowing what you like and having more confidence and comfort and knowing, knowing the things that you like. Uh, it can, it's sort of, in a way, it's sort of exercise in the sense of it works up your, your cardiovascular system, your circulatory system. And it's, you know, it's not, it's not quite the same thing as like, you know, running or doing weights or things like that, but you know, it gets the body, uh, gets the body moving in different ways that you may not be doing if you're just sitting in front of a computer desk. And, um, and also it just, it helps with, um, there's some, I'm trying to remember the exact studies on this, but basically, uh, masturbation and like having, having an orgasm, having orgasms and masturbating or, you know, having sex on a, like on, some sort of consistent basis, you know, whatever that means is up to the individual, uh, can help you have, like, have more consistent pleasure more reliably. So, like, having an orgasm, in a way, can help you, like, more reliably have orgasms in the future, which can be especially good as you're, like, you know, if you're finding that you're, um, like, if things are changing for you, or, like, your life's going a little bit, you know, inconsistent like if you have this as sort of this like routine thing that you can do now and then uh you know every couple of days a <laughs> couple of weeks like what, whatever sort of you know I mean, everyone's a little bit different in terms of you know what's sort of their their sweet spot but having that sort of consistency and doing mm-hmm. it can help you remember and like your body sort of remember like 
how to keep doing it so you don't like you don't lose it or you don't forget and then you're then you kind of are in this like wait how does this all work again <laughs> sometimes well, it's, it's like riding a bike it sounds yeah. it, it actually sounds a little bit like you're sort of training your body a little bit to be more responsive and um so I, I actually I talk a lot about you know the importance of like creating these rituals and routines to whether it's you know ten minutes on a bike or whatever it is right so um, every single day it could be you know creating a new skincare routine like whatever whatever those things are sounds like that this might be something we need to put in our schedules <laughs> as a reminder because it's so easy to sort of forget and yet. Mm-hmm. To me, it sounds like, and interestingly enough, I would imagine during COVID um, and all of us being sort of, you know, at home so much and not doing as much, um, you know, being out and about, but it sounds like it could be really uh, something that's really beneficial to help us with mental health stuff and anxiety and things that are going on with us as well as um, get the blood flowing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I kind of, I see it more as a, like as meditation in a way, like there, there's a lot of overlap between uh, creating a meditation practice and creating a sort of self pleasure or self care type of practice, because there isn't really like, um, like with meditation, you don't have like a specific goal of like, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to become like a a monk or a yogi, like, or I don't know, you know, there there isn't like a tangible goal for it, but it, it does help in a, a variety of different ways in terms of like managing stress and anxiety and getting more in tune with what is going on with your body okay. and masturbation and, and sex have a, are very similar in that it, it helps you get in touch with your body and like get a sense of what's going on and what you like, or if something, if something is different, what, what might be, what might be going on around you. And that's, that's, I think really been a, I mean, it's been a big, big benefit in my life too, mm-hmm. in terms of like having, having a lioness and having, you know, having these different ways of being able to kind of see what's going on with myself in a given moment, especially if I'm God, especially right now, if I'm super stressed with, you know, everything going on in the world and with the, you know, COVID and fires and everything, like mm-hmm. it's a, it's a way for me to kind of see like, okay, how, how am I doing? (laughs) How am I doing in all of this? Like, you know, what's, what's being impacted and, you know, what should I, what should I do to make myself feel better via, you know, masturbation or diet or whatever? Like nurturing yourself. I mean, it's like self-discovery. I I do love that. And that's kind of what I love about technology right now. And sort of this convergence into things that we wouldn't have thought had any business being partners Let's talk a little bit about as we get older, um, the changes that start to happen with our bodies that affect our own sex drive, um, the way we the way we experience um, our partners or our solo experiences. But kind of what's going on in our bodies as we reach certain ages that um, that affect our sexual uh, wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting topic because it's it's not one that gets enough attention. Uh, quite frankly, uh, a lot of I mean, there isn't that much conversation about sex or pleasure, and there's even less for for people as they get older. Even though 
a lot of us get older if we're lucky, you know? Um, yeah. So one of the things that we're, we're still early in this process, but one of the things that we're doing is uh, we, we recently just launched a uh, lioness sex research platform. Okay. So it's a way for, for users to, you know, if they're interested, they're, they're curious to try, you know, more things they can participate in different studies led by doctors and scientists and, and, and researchers at nonprofit institutions who are looking into these different questions. One of the first topics that, we're, that we have on this platform is on the topic of uh, menopause and pleasure because it's, a, it's an interesting topic. It's one that you know, we think needs more, needs more attention and needs more, you know, needs more examination. So... I, you know, we don't have any sort of conclusive, you know, any, like, um, uh, the researcher is still working on, on mm -hmm. analyzing the data from it. But, uh, what I can say is, uh, we did, we worked with a, an array of different women who are, who are all in perimenopause or menopause and looked at different backgrounds in terms of, in terms of race, in terms of age, since uh, some of the people who um, who participated had hysterectomies and they wow. entered early menopause, and also, um, I guess as we as we kind of learn more about things, like we we just realize like just how many different experiences people had as they as they got older and as they uh, started to enter menopause and how that may had how that has a bigger or sometimes not even that big of an impact on their own experiences. So that's something I'm really excited to see of like, mm -hmm. how, how does, um, how does the body impact your, your life and, you know, your sex life, your, your overall well-being, but then also how do the experiences around you also impact your life? Like I, I would imagine all of the hormonal changes that are going on you know, in your 40s, um, then you get up into your 50s. I mean, some people go through early menopause, but, you know, early 50s is kind of general consensus for like uh, perimenopause to menopause and um, even in the 40s, I should say, and then or upper 40s. And I would imagine, you know, I'm hearing a lot about different things that are changing in women. Um, some are having painful painful sex. And of course, then they have no interest in it. Um, some are losing the drive period, like it's gone. <laughs> and, um, and then I would think, um, I would think you would need to nurture that back because it's easy to just dismiss it as, well, this is the next part of my life. And I don't need, I don't need I don't need orgasm. I don't need that anymore. It's okay. Mm -hmm. um, what, do you have any thoughts around that? Oh, I have a few. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, one of the, one of the things that's difficult with, with talking about sex and sex drive and, and changes over time is that there, like, there's different reasons why, things will change for people. And yeah, there's, there's the body and you know, there's aging, there's hormonal changes. There's also changes in your relationship, uh, whether good, positive or negative. Uh, there's also yes. changes in your, yeah. And there's also, there's also changes in your, your health too. Like one of the things that we're, that we're really excited about uh, with, 
with the, the possibility of this research platform is I'm, I'm actively seeking someone who's a, like sort of a cardiologist or someone who studies like heart health, who wants to look at the relationship between heart health and sex drive and pleasure. Because um, one of, so for, for men's health or you know, for people with penises, uh, one of the things that became a, a pretty significant thing in healthcare was the discovery of erectile dysfunction medications. Because with, uh, with the introduction of Viagra and Cialis and you know, all these other pills and seeing the you know, effect on sex drive and on mm -hmm. arousal, uh, there is also this sort of light bulb moment of, hey, if, you know, if, some, if some guy's coming into the doctor, say, and he's asking for the little blue pill, maybe there, in some cases there might be other circulatory problems or cardiovascular problems with this individual that the doctor can then ask his follow-up questions of like, you know, hey, you know, how, how's your Something exercise else, routine? Yeah. yeah. What else is yeah. going on, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the, the crazy thing to me that's been like driving me, driving me mad for a few years now <laughs> is that, that there isn't the same sort of research and discussion and understanding of something equivalent for, for women. Like if you're, you know, if you find, for instance, that your, you know, your sex drive is not as great as it used to be, like you check all the other, you know, there's other things that could impact it. So it's not necessarily just health or heart health or, you know, things like that, but that, that hasn't really been part of the conversation in the same way that it has been for, for men and for like, for more men, like being able to like, you know, think about like, Hey, if I, you know, if I have trouble having, you know, keeping it up, like there might be other things going on. Similarly for women, it can, it can be the same thing. Like we, we want more research on that. So it can be like this, you know, definitively like, Hey, you know, if something changes with your sex drive or if you have difficulties having getting an orgasm that you used to, this could be something to consider of like, maybe there's something going on with your circulatory, uh, your circulatory health or your heart health. And that's something that you can also work on. You'll be healthier and also you'll have better orgasms too. It's a, you know, as another benefit. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it's just this like crazy thing to me that they're, because the topic of female pleasure is especially doing anything with devices and like looking in, you know, looking at the body and the effects, it's, it's considered sort of a, a taboo topic by mm -hmm. enough people that we're not able to look at questions like this and see like, Hey, how, how does this have an effect on women? Even, I mean, even considering that heart attacks are the leading cause of death for women in the U S like it yes. seems like this, this is important to look at. Like <laughs> I may be wrong, but I don't think it's completely crazy either. So it's, it's something that I'm really, I'm hoping, you know, with the research platform that we can have questions like that, uh, start it, start to be examined more thoroughly and have more of these conversations out there, like with the medical community and the, the scientific community, and then also have that information disseminated to, to you and me. So we can, you know, it's something in the back of our minds that if something's going on, there's a bunch of different reasons and that might be one of them. And that, right. that particular one might actually right. impact your, your life, <laughs> like literally. Yeah, I think uh, that's really interesting because, I, you know, I remember um, um, I've dealt with depression and I remember when I started taking a 
certain type of medication, mm-hmm. um, that it completely decreased sex drive. And there's a lot of people who went off medication because of it. So I think really understanding what the, um, what the effect is of certain things on our health, um, I think it's, or, or what might be causing lack of sex drive, what might be causing um, the, these things. I think it's really important. I think it's really important for our women to understand this and for them to um, I personally think it's an important part of being a woman and feeling lovely. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I think I mean, yeah. that really understanding it more is, is critical because that way, as we embark on these next years of our lives and we talk about living these, you know, that we have so many great things to live for. The more we understand the better and the more sort of prepared we can be to, to live it up. Yeah. I mean, one, one thing that, I mean, a lot of things blow my mind with this topic, <laughs> but like one of the things that I think we don't realize unless you, you know, you really start digging into all the information that currently exists out there is scientific research on women is still relatively a new thing. <laughs> so like a lot of, a lot of research on like drug testing on health, like different, you know, health and medical testing has been predominantly on, on men. Uh, I mean, to, because the, the reason being was uh, at least early on women were seen as uh, like too much of a random variable in experiments because we have these hormone, these, you know, menstrual cycles that, you know, that can change our bodies a lot. Uh, from month to month. So you want to have something more, more stable. We're, we're <laughs> you know? totally unreliable is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, that was the, that was the reasoning at the time for, for, especially for like testing medications. Mm-hmm. But then what, what happened was as more and more of these medications are being tested and put it out, put out to market, women are affected by medications in different ways than men are because our, like, you know, bodies are different. Hormones are different. Um, you know, we wait and, you know, all these, all these other sort of factors. And, um, with like Ambien as a, one of those, um, prime examples, um, one of many, mm-hmm. uh, with Ambien, for instance, they're finding that, um, when women were given, uh, the equivalent dose of Ambien that men were for, for a sleep medication, they were much more likely to just like wake up in the middle of the night, like or seem like they're awake, but they're not, but they're, they're like sleepwalking and in between these like weird, you know, in some weird sleep cycle. And yeah, like it was just all these like really weird effects that are coming up because they weren't studying these. Yeah. It it was just not seen as like, it, it was just, it was seen as too costly to include women and, you know, to include different people in these studies so we, so when there's, it's, it's changed more recently, like there's been more push to have, to include more women and to right. include more, uh, to have a more diverse sample of people in these studies. It, we're, we're still pretty far, I mean, it's a work in progress, but it's something to keep in mind with some of these, some of the studies and some of the information that's out there that there isn't enough information, especially if you're, if you're a woman, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're a minority, you're, you know, you're not mm-hmm. a white person, like you're the, the studies and the research that's out there on some of these, yes. like, 
yeah, there's, there's less of it. So it's, I think, especially important to be able to have different ways to, like, if you have questions about different aspects of your life, be it, you know, be it sex or be it nutrition. And, you know, if you're, you know, you feel sick or you're not feeling, you know, you're just not feeling good about yourself. Like, it's great to have these tools available because you can get data that's about yourself and then you can make, you can make certain decisions based on that as opposed to just purely relying on just, you know, whatever is out there that may not be sufficient for you. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And um, I'm starting to see a theme in some of the discussions I'm having around the lack of, uh, of support around women, women's health and, um, you know, minorities, people of color. I mean, it's, it's women, women of color. It's, it's, it's sad. I, I hope that we can start, you know, changing the tide. So I want you to give us sort of the, the skinny on the lioness and what it does, why is it so, so special and why has it been receiving so many great reviews and people using it? And I'd love to hear a little bit from, from you on that. Yes. So, so what the lioness is, is it, so on face value, looks like a, you know, a typical vibrator, but inside there's a, a suite of different sensors that can help you visualize your own arousal and orgasm. And uh, through, through biofeedback and data on an app, you, you basically use a vibrator like a, like a typical vibrator. And then when you have a session that you want to see, you can see what happened right on the app here. And the benefit of that is basically knowledge is power and better orgasms. So the more you know, the, the better it gets. Uh, so it's a, it's a great tool to learn more about your pleasure or for, your, for you and your partner to experiment also and see what works. So you can just have a, you can have a better sense of what works for you and how your pleasure changes from a variety of different factors that we're going to be talking about during, during this podcast. So yeah, what the, so what the data is, is basically it's, um, so it's the pelvic floor data. Uh, but what is the particularly interesting part of the data is, um, it's usually the, the, the arousal, the buildup and the orgasm. The orgasm is a, a particular pattern of pelvic floor movements. So it's a, it's a particular rhythm that a human cannot replicate on their own. It's about one to two hertz. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, it's pretty rapid. So it's something that you can't just sort of try to make up yourself. And uh, I have a, I have a, well, I have the chart here for people who are watching this, but more importantly for podcast people, I have um, a translation of that chart to sound so you can hear what an orgasm or orgasm data can sound like. Ooh, play that. <laughs> yeah. On a carnival ride. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a sort of up and down this rapid motion and then it, it starts tapering off after, after a couple of seconds. So that's great. The, yeah. So you've recorded, so we've recorded the, not just the, um, the climax, but we've recorded what's, what's taken to get there. <laughs> sure. There's a better right. sci scientific term than that. So is there a learning that's going on or is this just, 
us to sort of understand, like, is the device learning or are there things that we can discover about ourselves when looking at that data? So it's really more about there's different things that you can discover about yourself from having this data. So you have, um, so along with the uh, sort of the physiological data that it's recording, you can add different notes and tags about the experience. So you can remember like, did I have that cup of coffee this morning? Or did I have a glass of wine? Or did, was I using this by myself or with a partner? Was I stressed or relaxed? Like all the different, you know, factors that might be impacting your experience or some people just use it as like more of a sex diary of sorts. So, you know, you can kind of have fun with it and you can pretty much put whatever, whatever is interesting that you want to track about yourself. So the benefit really of this data really comes from starting to see a few sessions over time and seeing like, how are things changing? How are things different? Like if I feel, if I feel awful, like, is that, do I see that in, you know, my, my masturbation session or if and the other, the other direction sort of happens too, where if like things start feeling not so great, like, mm-hmm. is there something else going on in my life that I may not be, I may not be really realizing because I'm, I'm so busy with a hundred other, other things in my life, but you know, maybe this, like this, you know, this chart or this like session that's different from my, my usual might be mean, there might be some meaning to it beyond just like, oh, it's not just, you know, a bad orgasm or a bad session, but there might be something else going on that I, I could be more attuned to. Uh, so, you know, with like mental health or, or whatnot. Uh-huh. Something else that's going on. Talk a little bit briefly about the physiological data. What, what it's, what is it capturing? Yeah. So the, so the star of the show really is, um, it's, basically the pelvic floor contractions or usually it's uh, the vaginal contractions. So there's a, there's a specific pattern of uh, contractions that a person, everybody actually experiences, both, both men and women uh, experience during orgasm, which is about, um, it's that, that rhythmic sound that I had just played on the, on the app. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, this very rhythmic motion that, um, that a person experiences during orgasm. And then, uh, something else that we're trying, we're, it's, of course, there, there's not enough research in the space and we need better understanding of it, but we're also starting to see that there's a sort of pattern and behavior that um, is also associated with arousal and building up to a climax as well that uh, people can start seeing for themselves. So they can start seeing like, what are, you know, what are certain changes in their experience? Did they like that or not? and start building towards what is a, a good experience versus staying away from experiences that they, that they may not like as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the, the nerdy people out there, um, <laughs> there's also other sensors too, uh, not, just the, not just the force sensors, because there's a lot of stuff that has to go into this to make it, to make it work well. Uh, so there's also, uh, there's also a gyroscope and accelerometer. So that's basically angles and motion. Uh, so that corresponds with um, you can kind of filter out what's movement so that you can figure out, um, you can kind of parse out what's movement versus what's uh, movement from the body. There's also a temperature sensor, uh, which can uh, basically for this purpose helps automate the entire process. So you don't have extra buttons or things to do to, to operate uh, the, the vibrator or, or the, the tracking. 
more, so it's more the biofeedback and data and being able to see what's, what's happening and being able to change your experience based on what you, what you are seeing and, you know, what you see about yourself in general. So it's putting you in the driver's seat. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's giving you the power to create a better experience for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Or your partner or your, what? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm talking to the single girls right now, but like, um, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I am really interested to hear how uh, the research platform, what you guys learn from that. I think that is, I'm a little bit of a data gal. So I love, um, I mean, ultimately that's where we kind of prove, prove things out, right? So um, I'm, I'm really excited. Liz is offering our listeners a discount, which we will put in the show notes um, for this sort of Rolls Royce of, of, of vibrators. And um, hopefully you guys will opt into the research platform as well to help provide some, some great data. I mean, obviously it's all privacy, you know, encrypted opt in, and insured so. and opt-in and all of that sort of stuff. So b- before we close this out, Liz, because this has been a really fun discussion, um, I would love to know what is the one ritual in your day that you never forget to do and why? Hmm. It's a good question. <laughs> um, I think, well, this is more, this is more every other day, That's but okay. yeah, water my plants. <laughs> it gets me, gets me outside. Um, I get mm. to look at my, my flowers Oh yeah. I, I have, um, I just, um, I just moved to a new place and there's, I have a nice yard. Uh, I, I moved from, I went from a studio to like a place with a yard and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like a home home things. Yeah. Like I have so many things I can do now. It's amazing. Uh, so I have, um, yeah, I've been nurturing these roses and dahlias, especially during, especially during quarantine and, you know, during this time, like it's nice to have something to, to nurture and something that's nice to, it's, it's, you know, nice to look at. I'm starting to get into, um, hybridizing roses and dahlias. Oh, wow. Propagating. Yeah. So it's, it's a whole, yeah. So I'm just getting into the sort of the nuts and bolts of, um, of raising plants and just, seeing good, what I can do with it. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, that's a good habit. That's a good habit. I, I love yeah. that. It yeah. keeps, it keeps, it keeps me away from, uh, the, the wine and, you know, the other stuff too. So it's, um, it's sort of, that's kind of how I see it sometimes as well. Just like it, it helps me build some good habits and I get outside, I get sun, <laughs> you know, like I love it. it's, it's a nice thing to do. Well, I cannot uh, wait to share, share this with the audience. And I really think that, um, I think this is an important part of, of what women deserve as they get older and um, really sort of starting to learn and understand our bodies um, a little bit better and not being so, um, I don't know if the word is tight-lipped or <laughs> quiet about it but at least being able to learn from those in the know about how this is affecting our bodies, what's going on as we age and how can we still, you know, retain and regain pleasure in our lives um, through, through sexual um, experiences. So um, I love this. Thank you so much, Liz. 
I really, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jill. Happy to, always happy to talk about this stuff. Awesome. A big thank you to Liz Klinger for joining me today. I know we can all use a little extra pleasure in our lives, especially during 2020, but I really want to thank Liz for the work she's doing to help women and even their partners destigmatize the world of sexual wellness, as well as increase their pleasure. And as a special bonus for you, our listeners, Liz has extended a $10 discount off the Lioness. Just visit lioness.io and enter the code WICKEDAWESOME at checkout and you're good to go. And by the way, if you aren't already a member of our amazing community of women on Facebook, make sure you join us at facebook.com slash wickedawesomeyou. And just like what we covered today, there are no topics off limits, and we'd love for you to join in on the conversations happening on the inside. Also, we're already nine episodes into Anti-Aging Uncensored podcast, and we hope you're loving what you're listening to. We'd love for you to subscribe so you can make sure you get access to our episodes every single week and stay up to date with everything that's current and cutting edge. And leave us a review because that shows the rest of the world that we are a podcast worth listening to and we can help even more amazing driven women over 40 live tomorrow like it's better than today. See you next week.